Demons Discuss, Take 69, The One with a Demented Parakeet. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I am Valerie, and with me, as always, steady as a rock, every Thursday or somewhere around that, Angela and Jean! <laughs> I love it. I feel so welcome. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Thank you guys for joining me. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to my closet. <laughs> I know. Virtually. <laughs> Welcome to our closets. Yes. How are you guys? Hanging. Good. It's getting dicey. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, cabin sh- fever is no fucking joke. No shit. What are we talking about, Jean? We are talking about chapter two of the book of life. Yay! yay. Well, yay and not so yay, because we're dealing with the aftermath of the bad news. Yeah, but there is that you know, part. Mm-hmm. We do get Cora, so yay. Yay. And singing, yay. Yay. And yay. So audience, so. we got a little bit of cabin fever, so, you know, it's good to talk to other people. It's nice. It's good. We're not on a Zoom meeting. Damn oh, it. Yeah. God, I know. <laughs> Thank God for that. I know. Again, closet. <laughs> All right, so a Patreon spot. I shall provide one. We would like to thank our patrons who continue to support us, even though times may be rough. We appreciate you all because without you, we would not be able to afford doing the things we do without succumbing to advertising. So thank you again. And Angela, please tell the people what they get. Depending on the level, they can get various things, starting with our after show. Every level will get our after show, and that's on our off weeks when we don't have the public show. But as you go up the ranks, you get different items swag also are entered into a quarterly drawing which reminder Valerie we have to do oh yeah <laughs> yes. so slacking I always forget about the demon relay I know yes. I love it it's a special prize package coming up too I hear a really good one yeah. from one of our high level patrons who said you know what I don't need the package but give it to someone else holy crap you know what's in there it's a tote bag it's a t-shirt it's a holographic sticker we had a uh was it? We had a promotion last year and she got magnets and everything. No, sh- we're just giving all of that away. Yep. Because yep. our lovely patron, I'm going to say her name, Patricia! Yay! Yeah, yay. <laughs> she donated it all. So we have that quarterly drawing. You never know what you're going to win. We randomly have a prize of our choosing. Um, but you're also privy to Patreon posts and also any other special projects we have coming up. Which Val works really hard on. Yeah. I do. I don't feel like everybody appreciates it enough. Thank you, Jean, for acknowledging <laughs> that. <laughs> Patrons, read your posts. It's like, like your fucking email. Your yeah. <laughs> Patron posts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you're interested in joining, go to patreon.com slash demons discuss. The bare minimum it costs you two bucks a month, and that'll get you the after show. So there's that. Does that make us two buck whores? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> two buck chuck. That's always good wine. That is great. And for you people not looking to commit to Patreon, especially now, we now have our Fitzio 2020 merchandise. Who wants to tell us about that? You. Oh, I do. It was your fever dream. It was my fever dream. Listen, I have always wanted to create an enamel pin. And 
why not now? So we have created a Fitzio Fuck This Shit I'm Out 2020 enamel pin. It's got a little face mask and in the bottom, inspired by Angela, it says 2021 Do Better. Yay! Yay I love Yay. that. <laughs> and it's going to look so nice next to my Don't Be a Dick enamel pin. That's yep. right. <laughs> Or take no shit, do no harm. That's a good one, too. Yeah, true. Ah, I need that one. Yeah. Get on it, Jean. I, you know, I did the enamel pins back in the dawn of time when I was a figure skater and collected all of the pins from the different clubs when we'd compete. And I right. yeah. kind of got away from that for a while. I know. All your little pieces of flair. <laughs> especially especially <laughs> when it started weighting down the whole jacket so much that I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is a little bit much. <laughs> Honestly, I've been collecting pins too, as have you. I probably as many as you guys. We all have mm-hmm. equal amount, but I think that eventually we're going to be like Michael Phelps with all of his uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. medals around his his neck when yeah, we, when we go to cons. Right. So, so many hard, so many pieces of hardware. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We've also got our um, fun little Cardiff fla- mm-hmm. or Welsh flag pins. And, mm-hmm. Well, I guess we won't be getting a Philly pin this year, but no. we'll see. No, this Fitzio pin will be a good substitute for any of you guys that are mourning the fact that you're not going to cons. So yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, that same design wound up on a t-shirt, too. Huh. Commemorative, I'm telling you. Anyway, let's go to discuss our emails. Let's do Who it. Who wants to start? I'll start. I have okay. one from okay. Persephone. First, Persephone. Yeah, hi. First, thank you for the detailed and long email. I'm going to actually just jump right into the body of it, um, but Valerie's going to put the full email into the show notes. Or thank link you, to it. Angela. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to jump right in because she has some very interesting points, um, But I and I chose to talk about blood rage and check-ins. So for blood rage, she says, I like that we're given more insight into Matthew's struggle with blood rage and that his conversations with the lovely Hamish and Dreamboat Fernando help us understand its powerful hold on Matthew. Trigger for this onslaught of rage is surely understandable. Just imagine that a murder of a close family member has occurred while you're away and nothing has been done about it. I would be pretty ragey myself. Mm. And we are reminded that Matthew has to experience returning to set tour without Philippe all over again. But we also are told that mating increases the effects of his rage which makes us re-examine Matthew's behavior with Diana so far and perhaps understand some of his past inexplicable acts. I felt like uh, Elmer Fudd. I was going <laughs> to... Yeah, I know. Uh, but then we are told that Marcus and Hamish don't know about blood rage. What? I know. I agree. What, what, what? Trouble ahead, surely. Uh, I just want to make a quick comment. I agree. I totally understood blood rage better when they said it's increased by the mating effect. I did too. Yeah. I still like raging at him, though. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not a pass. It's just a, I understand. (laughs) All right. On to her check-ins. She says, love all the scenes with the boys, but I'm still not sure, even post-Times Convert, how I feel about Phoebe. I do remember not liking how quickly she snagged Marcus and got accepted by Isbo, but can't deny that she has immense courage when she meets Matthew in this chapter. I want more details on how Marcus and Phoebe's romance got to this stage. Persephone, XXX. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Yay! Yay! Thank you, Persephone. I've got one from the Barbara Files to follow up on on Blood Rage. The Barbara Files. And I'm going to jump right in, too. Okay. Even though she does hope we're not going batshit crazy. Well, we are a little bit, but, you know, it's a bit expected. I know. I know. (laughs) 
The Oxford Dictionary of English defines rage as a violent, uncontrollable anger. Deb tells us that blood rage could take over a vampire's mind and body quickly, leaving no room for reason or control. In Sun Chapter 11, Philippe says Matthew is not himself when the rage is upon him and it can make him act against his true nature. Keep that in mind and indulge me a bit. Diana and Matthew arrive safely back home, find out about poor Emily, and try to cope. And we all know how well hot mess Matthew copes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> While talking to Hamish, his anger is ramping up higher and higher as his eyes are dark, his hands shake, he throws a crystal wine glass at the bookcases. He states he should have dealt with Knox and Gerberia LaPierre, but Baldwin forbade it. Really? Your mate, the woman you love, had just been kidnapped, tortured, and almost murdered, and blood rage didn't drive you over the edge? That doesn't sound uncontrolled to me. I wonder what stopped Matthew from going rogue. He could have very easily dispatched the three stooges and claimed that they were victims of that vampire serial killer <laughs> that was wreaking havoc. I wasn't going to say serial vampire killer. Well, it could have been a serial vampire killer, too. Count Chocula, he's a serial vampire killer. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That was wreaking havoc. Baldwin would have been none the wiser. Ah, well. Thanks for humoring my rant. Thanks for being awesomely talented ladies that you are. Thanks for providing us with a bit of escape. Stay home, stay safe, stay strong. Peace and love, Barbara. Sorry this was long. Uh, it's it okay, long, Barbara. Barbara. Stay home, stay sane. Well, we're staying home. The staying sane part this week has been hard. Yes. I, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. not going to lie. I'm oh. not sure. I'm not sure that we were, I was ever completely sane, but that being said. <laughs> <laughs> that being said. <laughs> Ah, that's why we love you. All right. So mine is from Catherine from Wales. Hi, Catherine. Catherine. Hope you guys are staying safe over there. Hi, demons. Hope you are all staying safe and well. (laughs) Yes, yes, we are. Not sane, though. Okay. Baldwin. My heart goes out to him in this chapter. This is a man who had huge responsibility dumped on him and a huge weight of expectation that he can hold the family together after Philippe's death. Just imagine losing that person who has been your comrade in arms, father and commanding officer for almost 2,000 years, and your mother figure is almost destroyed by the loss and isn't capable of supporting you. He probably hasn't had the time to grieve properly. Then Matthew starts causing trouble again, and he's been kept in the dark for months about what's been really going on. Plus, Marcus has been pissing off the congregation, and Baldwin has had all of that shit dropped on him. Then he arrives at Setur, and he can hear Philippe. It's no wonder he is so upset and angry. Mm-hmm. Well, you're mm-hmm. right, Catherine. You're right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Catherine from Wales, and she says, sorry for the essay. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Writing all this stuff out is good for all of us. Yeah, that's right. And reading it, it's not a work email, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or work group text. That's right. Don't do that to me today, co-workers. Oh, <laughs> That's stupid. All right. Uh, let's start the wagon right here. Yay. Yay. We're going out for a drive in the country at a appropriate distance. And we're going to play music loud. With the windows open. That's right. We don't care it's how not shite this is. <laughs> <laughs> we have great taste in music. Do you want to explain that, Gene, before we carry on? Oh, yeah. Gallo Glass fans may be able to figure out the day that we're recording because it's the day that uh, Mr. Creed dropped a lovely little tweet up on his Twitter account, mocking out people who like to drive with their windows open and their radio blasting. Listen, Stephen Cree, we've been trapped in our houses. <laughs> 
If I want to play loud gangster rap, it's not hurting anybody. Just roll your windows up, okay? Windows up. Just, Just drive saying. faster and drive away. I know. It's, it's like the highway equivalent of keep scrolling. Right. Like yes. changes, you can move on. There are other lanes, people. Besides, <laughs> even if it is shite music, it's kind of fun watching the people dance in the other car. I uh, know. <laughs> or pray that nobody's giving you the side eye. Or have a war of the radios, you know, turn yours up louder. True. That's always good. Of course, you know, in some areas of this country, you might have to worry about a drive-by, but you know. <laughs> I grew up in Detroit. I was yeah. raised on drive-bys. <laughs> we invented road rage. No shit. All right. So this chapter discussion is brought to us by Susie Glenn. Yay. Yay. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Susie. Well, we've left off in chapter one with ghost Emily and ghost Rebecca having a conversation. Emily said she shouldn't have called Rebecca there. And Rebecca insisted that she will not leave Diana. And Stephen's all cool with this. So now we open up chapter two of the book of life and we find ourselves with Matthew. Mm-hmm. And I think we're in an omniscient point of view with this chapter. The book says, Matthew raced down the curving stone staircase that wound between his tower rooms at Septor and the main floor of the chateau. He avoided the slippery spot on the 13th tread. and 30th. Rough, or I'm sorry, 30th tread. <laughs> Thank you, Jean. Sorry. And the rough patch on the 17th where Baldwin's sword had bashed the edge during one of their arguments. <laughs> I mean, simple little argument, swords yeah. and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminded me, I think it was Barbara who asked the question about who took the doors off of Matthew's room and we decided it was Matthew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this book goes on to explain why he built the tower because supposedly vampire families are noisy and predators apparently doing the Brady Bunch thing don't do very well. They're not very peaceful. Well, for Uh, pack animals, they should be better at this. You would think. And it was built as defense. Um, But the part that stood out to me is his careful arrangements spoke volumes about his relationships with his brothers and sisters. So, not so happy merging of the families, Philippe and Isabeau, as Carol Brady and uh, Mike Brady didn't work out so much. I, I'm taking it as this. You know, the two families mm-hmm. merging together didn't do so well. You also have to wonder what in his history is like, mm, how do you manage to get all of your brothers and sisters pissed at you? Yeah. And there was there some narrative going on in the family about him prejudging yeah, black, him. Right. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, the black sheep narrative, which is yes. we've only got limited viewpoints at this point. Right. Dubs always warned us. But he must have earned it somewhere. There's a little bit of truth in those little narratives. Always. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we, we've come to find out that Philippe told him, get on a boat and get away from right. me. Right. <laughs> oh, so, my gosh. <laughs> that was fantastic so to really, find that out. I know. I know. So he really had to be working everybody's nerves <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Poor Matthew. You know, he sent Matthew away on the boat and he sent Luis away for different reasons. But it's like, oh, well, they got her. Who knows if he thought that about Matthew, too? You know, like, oh, well. Oh, my God. That's like, <laughs> this is like well, whatever, happens, whatever happens, happens. Right. <laughs> Good luck. Okay, bye. And they both yeah. are Isabeau's children, by the way. Yeah. 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 That we know of, we don't see anybody else. I mean, it doesn't seem like Freya's ever gotten sent very far away. Philippe is no Mike Brady. That's for sure. <laughs> 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 no way. Picture. That's a, just the mental picture is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> With one of those Kiana shirts and a leisure, yeah. brown leisure suit. <laughs> yeah. 
and the curly and the man perm the, cur- yeah, the, the curly man perm. 70s <laughs> oh, the bro fro uh, the bro fro yeah uh. alright tonight his tower's isolation seemed confining a far cry from the busy life he and Diana had created an Elizabethan London surrounded by family and friends Matthew's job as a spy for the queen had been challenging but rewarding from his former seat on the congregation he had managed to save a few witches from hanging Diana had begun the lifelong process of growing into her powers as a witch that had even taken in two orphan children and given them a chance at a better future. Their life in the 16th century had not always been easy, but their days had been filled with love and the sense of hope that followed Diana wherever she went. Here at Septour, they seemed surrounded on all sides by death and the Declaremonts. Damn. Yeah. I kind of like that. That's a great line. It is. But, but what's so funny about this as you as we look at it right now, I'm kind of thinking, was this the editor hedging their bets? Also, keep this in because like we may have a whole bunch of people who skip that historical second book and right. this gets, just gets them caught up. Yeah, like a recap. Yeah, good point. Strategic move. It's like, okay, you've got all the people who skip Shadow of Night caught up. I don't see how anyone could skip Shadow of Night. So well, good. neither do I, but no, we might be biased. We're trying not to be judgy, but there are those <laughs> there are those people who won't read historical. Okay. What's also so weird about this, it's like, dude, you can't have it go both ways. It's like, oh, I need to have my I need to have my solitude. Oh, I hate my solitude. Right. <laughs> right. Make up your mind, Matthew. He can't. That's his nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of his true nature. <laughs> 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 there you have it. Yep. The combination made Matthew restless and the anger he kept so carefully in check whenever Diana was near was dangerously close to the surface. Blood rage, the sickness that Matthew had inherited from Isabeau when she made him, could take over a vampire's mind and body quickly, leaving no room for reason or control. In an effort to keep the blood rage in check, Matthew had reluctantly agreed to leave Diana in Isabeau's care while he walked around the castle grounds with his dogs, Ellen and Hector trying to clear his head. Okay, so he's going to stop around and visit some people. And the first person he visits is Gallo Glass. Hello, Gallo Glass. Hello. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So punch drunk in the morning. I know. I know. Galglass was crooning a sea shanty in the Chateau's Great Hall. For reasons Matthew couldn't fathom, every other verse was punctuated by expletives and ultimatums. After a moment of indecision, Matthew's curiosity won out. He was like, okay, should I even? Yeah, let's do it. Do I even want to know? (laughs) (laughs) And my favorite line in this whole book comes from Galglass. Fucking fire Drake. Galglass had one of the pikes down from the cache of weapons by the entrance and was waving it slowly in the air. Farewell and adieu to you, ladies of Spain. Get your arse down here or Granny will poach you in white wine and feed you to the dogs. For we received orders to sail for old England. What were you thinking flying around the house like a demented parakeet? (laughs) And we may never see you fair ladies again. So I guess he interjected his little expletives within the sea shanty. So there you go. And Matthew wants to know, what the hell are you doing? Uh, no, that was not one of our lost fucks. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Are one of you guys uh, carrying along with the Book of Life, the ARC version? Oh, I don't have the ARC version. I should open the ARC version. Yeah, yeah. yes. We can get all the lost fucks that way. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're right. Raiders of the lost fucks. <laughs> I'll set. I'll set. 
Okay. Galaglass turned wide blue eyes on Matthew. The younger man was wearing a black t-shirt adorned with a skull and crossbones. Something had slashed the back, running it from left shoulder to right hip. The holes in his nephew's jeans looked to be a result of wear and not war. His hair was shaggy, <laughs> even by Galaglassian standards. Isabeau had taken to calling him Sir Vagabond. <laughs> but this had done little to improve his grooming. So he's got COVID hair, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. So Galaglass says, trying to catch your wife's wee beastie. Galaglass made a sudden upward thrust with the pike. There was a shriek of surprise, followed by a hail of pale green scales that shattered like glass when they hit the floor. The blonde hair on Galaglass's forearms shimmered with their iridescent green dust. He sneezed. Cora, Diana's familiar, was clinging to the minstrel's gallery with her talons, chattering madly and clacking her tongue. She waved hello to Matthew with her barbed tail. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and there goes the Clooney tapestry. Yeah. Oops. Piercing a priceless tapestry depicting a unicorn in a garden. Matthew winced. Whoops. So did the rest of us when we read that. I know. It's like, ah! Oops. Ooh, not that one. Anything but that one. <laughs> oh, jeez. I had cornered her in the chapel up by the altar, but Cora is a cunning lass. And this is Galaglass. She was hiding atop Granddad's tomb. Her wings spread wide. I mistook her for an effigy. Now look at her, up in the rafters, vainglorious as the devil and twice as much trouble. Why, she put her tail through one of Isabeau's favorite draperies. Granny's going to have a <laughs> and here's Matthew. If Cora's anything like her mistress, corning her won't end well. Try reasoning with her instead. Oh, yeah. That works well, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great plan. Great plan. <laughs> and Gal Glass agrees with you, Angela. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can hear the eyes rolling. Right. <laughs> right. That worked oh. all, well every time you tried it. <laughs> oh, I. That works very well with Auntie Diana, Gal Glass sniff. Whatever possessed you to let Cora out of your sight? And then Matthew's like, the more active the fire drake is, the calmer Diana seems. Perhaps, but Cora's hell on the decor. She broke one of Granny Severus vases this afternoon. And then Matthew's like, so long as it wasn't one of the blue ones with the lion heads that Philippe gave her, I shouldn't worry. And then Matthew groaned when he saw Galglass's expression. Mared. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. I guess she got to that. It's interesting, though. The fire drake or Cora takes the place of her running that releases or reduces the yeah. Anxiety or the right. adrenaline. Huh. Hmm. I think as there's an something there. As an extension of herself, yeah. This way she doesn't have to run around. Cora does it for her. The funny thing is, is that the running and all of that had to do with the spell binding, which, which, which we always thought suppressed her energy. Her energy and was all part of what Rebecca and Diana kind of constructed as fail safes and safety, mm -hmm. True. safety yeah. valves. Stephen and Rebecca just said, hey, we need to contain all of this. She's supposedly not spellbound anymore. And, and the fire drakes out. And the fire drakes <laughs> out. But it almost seems like it wasn't really the spellbinding. It's, it was Cora all along. Right. I was going to say, I don't want to get timey-wimey, but she did have Cora all along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was the anxiety and the burning need adrenaline going to be there regardless of the spell? Did Stephen and Rebecca kind of just like double down on something that was already there almost? Yeah. You know, and I take it now that I'm thinking about it, I am taking it as Cora as representative 
of her crazy energy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when they bound that, she had all this energy inside of her, including Cora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just also thinking about the the, the adrenaline surges and whatnot that they supposedly used as a way to get her to back off of things. Could be. As a counterpoint to her her curiosity, it seems like there's more to it than just Mm -hmm. the spellbinding, that's all. Right. And the (laughs) adrenaline surges stopped her. Yeah. Yes, right. Because it seems like the the, the adrenaline and the energy is still there, even though the spellbinding's been shed. Well, and she still had the adrenaline, even if she wasn't in danger of harming herself or being in a harmful situation. Mm-hmm. And she just needed to get rid of it by running. But now it's like, fi- yeah. score is almost like a fire drake fetch. You know what I mean? Like or right. the, the anxiety yeah. or the adrenaline is a fetch. Right. Because of Cora. Because when even when the spellbinding was released in Shadow of Night, Cora would freak the fuck out like when she was around Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Like she'd be inside freaking the fuck out. So just thinking, yeah, that kind of a translation and a projection of her energy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We all agree. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, reference uh, Cora wrecking shit and Matthew going shit. Galglass says, yeah, that was Alon's response too. Isabel will have to make do with one less piece of pottery. Matthew said, Cora may be a nuisance, but Diana is sleeping soundly for the first time since we came home. <laughs> Galglass is like, oh, well, that's all right then. Just tell Isabel that Cora's <laughs> clumsiness is good for the grandbabies. Granny will hand over her vases as sacrificial offerings. Meanwhile, I'll try to keep the flying termagant entertained so Auntie can sleep. There you go. How are you going to do that? Matthew asked with skepticism. Sing to her, of course. Galglass looked up. Cora cooed at his renewed attention, stretching her wings a bit farther so they caught the light from the torches stuck into the brackets along the wall. Taking this as an encouraging sign, Galglass drew a deep breath and began another booming ballad. My head turns round. I'm in a flame. I love like any dragon. Say, would you know my mistress's name? Hmm. Okay. Galglass. Cora clacked her teeth in approval. Galglass grinned and he began to move the pike like a metronome. He wagged his eyebrows at Matthew before singing his next <laughs> lines. I sent her trinkets without end, gems, pearls to make her civil. So having nothing more to send, I sent to her the devil. Ooh. Now, I think he should have been, if he's going to sing a power ballad, he should have went with like Michael Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> How am I supposed to live without you? (laughs) Let me stop. Let me stop. (laughs) Stop me now. Okay. So uh, Matthew wishes Galglass good luck. Sincerely hoping that Cora didn't understand the lyrics. Okay. So Matthew scanned the nearby rooms, cataloging their occupants. Hamish was in the family library doing paperwork based on the sound of a pen scratching against paper and the faint scent of lavender and peppermint he detected. Matthew hesitated for a moment, then pushed the door open. Time for an old friend, he asked. And Hamish was like, I was beginning to think you were avoiding me. So Hamish put down his pen, loosened his tie, which was covered in summery floral print most men wouldn't have even had the courage to wear. (laughs) Even in the French countryside, Hamish was dressed as if for a meeting with members of parliament and a navy pinstripe suit with a lavender shirt. It made him look like a dapper throwback to Edwardian days. Matthew knew that the demon was trying to provoke an argument. He and Hamish had been friends for decades, ever since the two of them were at Oxford. Their friendship was based on a mutual respect and had been kept strong because of their compatible, razor-sharp intellects. Between Hamish and Matthew, even simple exchanges could be complicated and strategic as a chess game between the two masters. But it was too soon in their conversation to let Hamish put him at a disadvantage. 
How is Diana? Hamish had noted Matthew's deliberate refusal to take the bait. And Matthew says, as well as can be expected. I would have asked her myself, of course, but your nephew told me to go away. <laughs> and then he picked up a wine glass and he's like, wine? This came across weird when I read it. It said, did it come from my cellar or Baldwin's? And Matthew's seemingly innocuous question served as a subtle reminder that now he and Diana were back. Hamish might have to choose between Matthew and the rest of the Declaremonts. Ooh. Yeah. It's claret. Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hamish swirled the contents in the glass while he waited for Matthew's reaction. Expensive. Old. Fine. Mm-hmm. Matthew's lip curled. Thank you. No, I've never had the same fondness for the stuff as most of my family. He'd rather fill fountains in the garden with Baldwin's store of precious Bordeaux than drink it. Damn, Matthew. God, that's just petty. At least drink it. Right. I would drink it all. Be like, <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. you, Baldwin. <laughs> I got all, I drink all your wine. Well, the whole thing just seemed overly sensitive petty. on Matthew's part because he's yeah. like, and obviously Deb's the author. She knows how she wrote it. But when he said he's trying to pick a fight with me and I would, if I were Hamish, I'd be like, and I know he's just saying that in his head, but... I'm just stating a sentence or asking a question. How you respond to it that's all will you. determine if it's that's an all, argument yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah, that's all you. And if I were Hamish, I'd be like, who hurt you, right. Matthew? <laughs> well, we don't have time for that, by God. <laughs> Let me make a list. Yeah. <laughs> it's the meme with the scroll. <laughs> Do we, it's Gene with the scroll. Do we have all day? <laughs> I always said you were just like Matthew, Gene. I love you. I, I'm owning it. I'm owning it. It's, it I get it. I understand. Uh, so, Hamish wants to know, what's the story with a dragon? A muscle in Hamish's jaw twitched, whether from amusement or anger. Matthew couldn't tell. He's on the defensive. Matthew's mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> Well, and they're such close friends and he's so like turned inside out. He can't even tell. Right. Right. God, you're just even for me, I'm going, God, you're just stop for a second and think you're a smart man. Just calm down. Galaglass said Diana brought it back as a souvenir, but nobody believes him. And then Matthew said, she belongs to Diana. You'll have to ask her. And then Hamish, the truth teller that he is, mm-hmm. you've got everybody at Septor quaking in their boots, you know. With this abrupt change of topic Hamish approached, the rest of them haven't realized that the most terrified person in the chateau is you. Hmm. How's I'm William? Saying. And Matthew's like, so yeah. subtle. And how is William? <laughs> Changing the subject. Here's what was sad. I was like, hmm. Sweet William had planted his affections elsewhere. Hamish's mouth twisted and he turned away. (sighs) His obvious distress bringing their game to an unexpected close. I'm so sorry, Hamish. William loved you. And Hamish is shrugging. He's like, not enough. You'll have to pin your romantic hopes on Marcus and Phoebe, I'm afraid. And Matthew's like, I barely spoken to the girl. He sighed and poured himself a glass of uh, Baldwin's claret. Mm -hmm. (laughs) After all that petty, you're going to have a drink. Just fucking drink the wine, Matthew. Jesus. <laughs> what can you tell me about her? Here's Hamish. Young Miss Taylor works at one of the auction houses in London. Sotheby's or Christie's, I never can keep them straight, Hamish said. Uh, Marcus met her when he was picking up something for Isabeau. I think it's serious. And Matthew's like, it is. Marcus's scent is all over her. 
He's mated. And then Hamish is like, I suspected as much. Nobody has said anything, of course. Your family really could teach MI6 a thing or two about secrets. Matthew said Isabeau should have stopped it. Phoebe's too young for a relationship with a vampire. She can't be more than 22, yet Marcus has entangled her in an irrevocable, irrevocable, irrevocable bond. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Here's a good, here's a funny thing, though. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Hamish has never spent any time with any kind of dysfunctional family because he thinks this is just a the Claremont thing that everybody nobody's going to talk about the elephant in the room. Hamish had cool parents, man. Yeah, yeah that's raised. true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was raised. He was raised right. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't suffer what the rest of us do. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to get over their childhoods. Hamish is fine. Yeah. He's well adjusted. Yeah, no elephants in that house. Nope. Oh, yes. Forbidding Marcus to fall in love would have gone down with a treat, Hamish said. <laughs> Marcus is just as pig-headed as you are when it comes to love, it turns out. Yeah, well, Hamish, Hamish had that conversation once. He knew how it turned out. So it's like, why bother? I mean, at this this point, they're not talking about mating, but how do you argue with mating? It's you not can't. even pig-headed. No, no. Y- you can't. And Hamish was like, uh, you know, I've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> I've already seen this movie. I don't need the remake. (laughs) Maybe if he'd been thinking about his job as a leader of the Knights of Lazarus. Okay, and here's Hamish. (sighs) Stop right there, Matt, before you say something so unfair I may never forgive you for it. Hamish's voice lashed at him. You know how difficult it is to be the Brotherhood's Grandmaster? Marcus was expected to fill some pretty big shoes. And vampire or not, he isn't much older than Phoebe. Mm -hmm. I mean, truth. Yeah, Mm -hmm. relatively. Boom. They go on to explain about the Knights of Lazarus. I'll go ahead and read it. Whatever. Uh, the Knights of Lazarus had been founded during the Crusades, a chivalric order established to protect vampire interests in a world that was increasingly dominated by humans. Philippe de Clermont, Isabeau's mate, had been the first Grandmaster, but he was a legendary figure, not just among vampires, but among other creatures as well. It was an impossible task for any man to live up to the standard he'd set. And Matthew's still arguing his point. I know, but to fall in love... Hamish comes back. Marcus has done a brilliant job. No buts about it. He's recruited new members and overseen every financial detail of our operations. He demanded that the congregation punish Knox for his actions here in May and has formally requested that the covenant be revoked. Nobody can have done more. Not even you. And Matthew comes back. Punishing Knox doesn't begin to address what happened. He and Gerber violated my home. Knox murdered a woman who was like a mother to my wife. He's mad. (laughs) (laughs) Hamish comes back and says, Emily had a heart attack. You know, officially, that's what we're calling it. (laughs) So calm down. Marcus said there was no way to know the cause. And Matthew says, I know enough. So if you want to get down to it, I mean, uh, (laughs) your little situation might have caused her a little hard to kick out too. I know. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna... <laughs> right, if we're gonna really distill it down and get nitpicky. No. <laughs> God, it's like they're fighting over whether they should classify it a COVID death. Right. <laughs> but they had cancer. <laughs> yeah. All right. I know enough. Our children will never have the chance to know Emily now. And Gerber, who's been on intimate terms 
with his family for centuries, stood by and watched Knox do it, knowing that Diana was my mate. And Hamish is like, everyone in the house said you wouldn't let the congregation justice take its course. I didn't believe them. (laughs) Hamish didn't like the changes he was seeing in his friend. It was as though being in the 16th century had ripped the scab off some old forgotten wound. I should have dealt with Gerbert and Knox after they helped Satu Yarvanen kidnap Diana and hold her at LaPierre. If I had, Emily would still be alive. But Baldwin forbade it, and he said the congregation had enough trouble in his hands. And Hamish is like, you mean the vampire murders? Yes. He said, if I challenge your Baron Knox, I would only make matters worse. But he wasn't wrong, though, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm just saying. I won't make the mistake of remaining silent again. The Knights of Lazarus and the De Claremonts might not be able to protect my wife and her family, but I certainly can. Oh, 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 oh. I just had a thought. Oh, proceed with your thoughts. When Baldwin forbade it, mm-hmm. did he recognize the vampire murders as someone in a blood rage fit and thought it was Matthew. He said, if I challenge your bear and axe, I would only make matters worse. Because yeah. if he went to them in a rage. I'm thinking that was one big secret they had kept from the congregation. Yeah. Only and because Baldwin they knew it. They needed, yeah. And they needed him as an assassin. He was like a back pocket weapon. So that would totally fuck everything up. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking that's why. But I, well, my other point being is that Baldwin thought it was him. I'm wondering, though, how much did he know about the other blood rage vampires that Matthew might have not because okay so listen he knew about Jack well, well do we know Baldwin knew about Jack no maybe not Philippe knew about Philippe Jack. knew about Jack the only one that Baldwin would have known about is Benjamin and they all thought he was dead because he had disappeared mm, or maybe that's what he was told yeah yeah I mean at this point we shouldn't do this but I'm going to anyways can we weave in the TV show into this little paragraph too sure what what Baldwin went through and almost losing his head yeah yeah so yeah. I don't know it's just interesting like he wasn't going to go back yet, especially not if that little statue wasn't changed about <laughs> decapitating <Right>. him. Yeah. <laughs> and there was, a, you know, and there's always the factors you're like, look here, I'm trying to fucking hold this together over there. I don't need you to fucking barging. And it's like, yeah. you virgin, it's going to make it that much worse. Yeah. And I, yeah. I already owe Agatha and I already owe Domenico. Now, if I go back, <laughs> what else am I going to come back with? I mean, I'm going to yeah. lose one more thing. I have no more bargaining chips at this point. Right. Yeah. We shouldn't do that, but yeah, we I just know. did. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> It's our show. I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it works for me. Okay. So Hamish is giving himself some happy talk and Matthew too. You're not a killer, Matt. Don't let mm-hmm. your anger blind you. Uh, Hamish, you might want to th- rethink that. Yeah. <laughs> when Matthew turned black eyes to him, Hamish blanched. Though he knew that Matthew was a few steps closer to the animal kingdom than most creatures who walked on two legs, Hamish had never seen him look quite so wolf-like and dangerous. And then Matthew He's like, are you sure, Hamish? Hmm. Matthew's obsidian eyes blinked and he turned and stalked from the room. Yeah, well, and then we get the dot, dot, dot. We don't get to hear about whether or not Hamish had non-brotherly thoughts about that. (laughs) (laughs) I have never seen him like that before. (laughs) Let me stop. That'd, that'd be a fan fiction for you. There you go. <laughs> Let me stop. Okay. Woo. All right. So the dot, dot, dot means we're going somewhere else. Following the distinctive licorice root scent of Marcus Whitmore, mixed tonight with a heady aroma of lilacs. Oh, Matthew- I don't know if I like that idea. <laughs> I know. It doesn't sound appetizing. Licorice and lilacs are just kind of like, oh, that's just a bad taste in your mouth waiting to happen. 
I don't know. It might smell good, though. Might. Mm. It's that time of year we could test it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's an all souls COVID project. Let's go to our backyard and go. get the lilac and <laughs> smell it with some licorice. Get that. Get the yeah. Australian licorice, the real strong stuff. Oh, yeah, or, the stuff or, you can or a shot of um, Sambuca. Yes. Sambuca. Oh, I like or that. Uzo. Yes. Or Uzo, whatever your flavor oh, is. Oh, shoot. We you... don't have any Sambuca at home anymore. Damn. Right. Or Rocky, if you're Turkish, it's the same shit. Yeah. yeah. Matthew was easily able to track his son to the family apartments on the second floor of the chateau. His conscience pricked at the thought of what Marcus might have overheard during this heated exchange. Given his son's keen vampire hearing, Matthew pressed his lips together when his nose led him to a door just off the stairs, and he tamped down the flicker of anger that accompanied his realization that Marcus was using Philippe's old office. He's going to be pissy at everybody, isn't he? Yeah, he's not in a good way. No. That claret didn't help him. You should have had more, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, he shouldn't have stopped at just one glass. Yeah, I should have had a few. Matthew knocked and pushed at the heavy slab of wood without waiting for a response. See, he barges in too. So, I mean, this is foreshadowing for the end of this chapter, everybody. He does barge in. And he knows the two of them are in there together because he smells the commingled sense. That's not cool, Dad. He could have (laughs) told. He could have totally caught them in the act. He did not give a fuck. See? Yeah, it's like, dude. Desk sucks. Think about it. Well, and knowing how they were in Times Convert easily Mm -hmm. could have been happening. I'm serious. They were doing it everywhere. (laughs) There were bunnies. Dirty bunnies. (laughs) Busy bunnies. (laughs) Busy, dirty bunnies. Okay. So with the exception of the shiny silver laptop on the desk where the blotter used to be, the room looked exactly as it had the day Philippe de Claremont died in 1945. The same Bacolite telephone was on the table by the window, stacks of thin envelopes and curling yellowed paper stood at the ready for Philippe to write one of his many correspondence. Tacked to the wall was an old map of Europe, which Philippe had used to track the positions of Hitler's army. James mm-hmm. Norris did an excellent job. Yes, he did. Mm. I'm Philippe's office. Matthew closed his eyes against the sudden sharp pain. What Philippe had not foreseen is that he would fall into the Nazis' hands. One of the unexpected gifts of their time walk had been the chance to see Philippe again and be reconciled with him. The price Matthew had to pay was the renewed sense of loss as he once more faced a world without Philippe de Claremont in it. That's sad. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. When Matthew's eyes opened again, he was confronted with the furious face of Phoebe Taylor. This girl, That's she gives bold. no fucks. Yeah. I know, she gives no fucks. <laughs> All right, Phoebe. Okay. Yeah. It only took a fraction of a second for uh, Marcus to angle his body between Matthew and the warm-blooded woman. It's a hubris of youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matthew was gratified to see that his son hadn't lost all of his wits when he took a mate. Though, if Matthew had wanted to harm Phoebe, the girl would have already been dead. Well, he's right. Okay. True. <laughs> Marcus, there was no time for a proper introduction when we first met. I'm Matthew Claremont, Marcus's father. And Phoebe's like, I know who you are. Mm. Welcome to the family, Miss Taylor. Matthew bowed to hide his smile. Phoebe, please. And Phoebe stepped around Marcus in a blink. Her right hand extended. Matthew ignored it. <laughs> wow. <Whoa>. Rude. <laughs> yeah. In the most polite circles, Professor Claremont, this is where you would take my hand and shake it. Phoebe's expression was more than a little annoyed, her hand still outstretched. Not so bad these days. You don't do that. No. <laughs> no, it's bad. What do people do? Wave, bow? I don't know. I wave. I'm like, hey, I'm not shaking Elbow my bump. Elbow bump? No, that's, yeah. that's too close for me, too. <laughs> well, that's like a surgeon thing, though. Yeah. You're surrounded by vampires. Whatever made you think you would find civilization here. Oh my God. Can what? you imagine Matthew Good saying that? Yes. Just in that droll, dry sort mm-hmm. of 
whatever made you think find civilization here? Yeah. I don't know. The more I read about Phoebe, the more I'm just like, wow. Maybe I kind of glossed her over a little bit the first reading where it's like, yeah, I don't mind her. But now I'm just saying, really? Human? Well, yeah. I think the other thing is, too, is don't forget she's been spending months there that we don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I thought she was bold and maybe a little out of turn, but it didn't make me not like her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, and that that's the thing. It's just kind of a light version of Chris. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, seriously, dude, sit down. But on the other hand, I mean, by the time we get to the bottom of this page, it's just like, oh, Marcus didn't tell me that. So, I mean, just the boldness of her. It's like, okay, listen, you're in a house full of vampires and I know you don't give a fuck. Maybe that's a mistake of youth. Or whatever. Yes. <laughs> but please use caution <laughs> yeah. with your life. You're not sure Marcus can stand up to Matthew. So how about you step back? Well, I don't I, know. I, and then you've got the whole nobody's talked to you about the whole mating thing either. Right. Right. The old, oh, mm-hmm. if it's just a blowjob, it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think there's some of that kind of logic going on. You're like, oh, well, we haven't oh. had sex. That, that's oh. not sex. That doesn't meet the definition of sex. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like people are parsing their definitions here this is where all phoebe's trouble is coming about nobody's giving her the full monty i'm not encouraging this (laughs) no encouragement needed I'm just saying she's not completely, she's not well informed. No, and it does mirror Diana's situation. Look at her arguing with Domenico at the gates in Rio. (laughs) You may think my greeting unnecessarily formal, Phoebe, but no vampire touches another's mate or even his betrothed without permission. He glanced down at the large emerald on the third finger of her left hand. Marcus had won the stone in a card game in Paris centuries ago and now is worth a small fortune. And Phoebe's like, oh, Marcus didn't tell me that. And then Marcus is trying to assert his little manhood right here. No, but I did give you a few simple rules. Perhaps it's time to review them. <laughs> oh, I would have back smacked him. Like, right? Well, and that's also to Baldwin's point. Yeah, he says you should school, which we're getting to, we'll school Diana, but uh, hello, Marcus just said that to Phoebe. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Let me school you. Marcus murmured to his fiance, we'll rehearse our wedding vows while we're at it. Why? You still won't find the word obey in them. <laughs> See, this is where I really liked her. She's like, shut up. Before the argument could get off the ground, Matthew coughed again. <laughs> I came to apologize for my outburst in the library. Matthew said, I'm too quick to anger at the moment. Forgive me for my temper. That was nice, Matthew. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a little more than temper, but Marcus, like Hamish, didn't know that. What outburst? Phoebe frowned. It was nothing, Marcus responded, though his expression suggested otherwise. I was also wondering if we'd be willing to examine Diana as you no doubt knew she is carrying twins. I believe she's in the beginning of her second trimester, but we've been out of reach of proper medical care, so, and I'd like to be sure. Matthew's proffered olive branch, like Phoebe's hand, remained in the air for several long moments before it was acknowledged. Of course, Marcus stammered. Thank you for trusting Diana to my care. I won't let you down. And Hamish is right. Even if I performed an autopsy of Emily, which Sarah didn't want, there would have been no way to determine if she was killed by magic or natural causes. We may never know. Matthew didn't bother to argue he would find out the precise role that Knox had played in Emily's death. For the answer would determine how quickly Matthew killed him and how much of the witch, how much would the witch suffer 
offer first. Phoebe, it has been a pleasure, Matthew said instead. Likewise, the girl lied politely and convincingly. She would be a useful addition to the Claremont pack. Come to Diana in the morning, Marcus. We'll be expecting you. With a final smile and another shallow bow to the fascinating Phoebe Taylor, Matthew left the room. Hmm. Why fascinating? Yeah, I would say who finds her fascinating? I don't Apparently, know. She's, Matthew does. Well, I mean, he likes Malvi. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing when Matthew finds someone. Look at Diana. She's a Malvi. Someone Whatever. fascinating. <laughs> Malvi in a good way. I mean, come on. You have to challenge so some people. Deb has said, and we've discussed before, that Ada was about Matthew and Diana and the mothers and then Shadow. Of Night is about the fathers and the Book of Life is about family. family. But it really mm-hmm. seems like they're propping up or building up the women because look at the fascinating Phoebe Taylor and the intriguing Rebecca Bishop. That's what Philippe had said about her. Um, mm-hmm. It's just more than just family to me. Elaborate. There is a very distinct, I see what you're saying. There's a very distinct theme already going on, building up all the women and kind of. Yeah. And that was one of our gripes is that the men get diminished. Tearing down right. all the men. Yeah, the men are being diminished by it, especially when you've got this whole, you know, fascinating and, and Rebecca's intriguing and Matthew's just being pissy. Right. Mm. He's not showing himself to his best side right now. I mean, it's more of an observation um, that I didn't mm-hmm. notice. Mm-hmm. I've only read it one time, probably. So it's just more of an observation. I want to see where it goes. Yeah. So based on these two chapters, it seems like the book of life is about the family and the strong women among it. Mm-hmm. Got it. But quick, okay. quickly. I mean, we don't really have, we don't, as a reader, we don't see a lot of things to back that up. The fascinating Phoebe Taylor. We know Rebecca's yeah, extraordinary, uh, but for, we don't know what her interaction with Philippe was that he'd be like, oh, she's really intriguing. Again, I think it's another way of speeding along the whole narrative that they have to get through. It's like, okay, instead of giving you the backstory why he might find her, fa- she's just fascinating. Just trust yes, me on this. I agree. That's what I mm-hmm. think too. Like it's yeah. an accelerated yeah. path and we want you to think that she's fascinating. So we're telling you she is. Yeah, it's more of a tell, not a show. Yes, we're yeah, we're not getting a lot. We're, we're getting a lot of that rule. Bro- that rule broken a lot is what. And I'm I right. think that's maybe where frustration stems for some of the readers. Like why they didn't yeah. like her, they're like automatically you're telling me I should like her, and you're not showing me why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Totally. Yeah. All right. Matthew's nocturnal prowl around Septour had not lessened his restlessness or his anger. If anything, the cracks in his control had widened. Frustrated, he took the route back to his rooms, passed by the chateau's keep and the chapel memorials to most of the departed. Claremonts were there. Philippe, Louisa, her twin brother, Louis, Godfrey, Hugh, as well as some of their children and beloved friends and servants. Good morning, Matthew. The scent of saffron and bitter orange filled the air. Fernando, after a long pause, Matthew forced himself to turn. Usually the chapel's ancient wooden door was closed, as only Matthew spent time there. Tonight, it stood open and welcome, and the figure of a man was silhouetted against the warm candlelight inside. I hoped I might see you, and this is Fernando. Fernando watched as his brother-in-law made his way toward him, searching his features for warning signs that Matthew was in trouble. The enlargement of his pupils, the ripple in his shoulders, reminiscent of a wolf's hackles, a roughness deep in his throat. Do I pass inspection? Matthew asks. (laughs) So that kind of tells us that Fernando knows Matthew better than most. Yeah. And he feels, that's the word I'm looking for, um, not only protective, but he also feels, he's a little bit, I mean, he's kind of presumptuous. Yeah. But his presumptions aren't based on. No, but I mean, he's presumptuous in that, in a Chris kind of way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I agree. You'll do. Fernando closed the door firmly behind them. Barely. 
<laughs> Matthew ran his fingers lightly along Philippe's massive sarac- sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. <laughs> sarcophagus. I can't talk today. It's not good. No. <laughs> In the center of the chapel and moved restlessly around the chamber while Fernando's deep brown eyes followed him. Congratulations on your marriage, Matthew, Fernando said. Though I haven't met Diana yet, Sarah's told me so many stories about her. I feel like we are old friends. I'm so sorry, Fernando. It's just... And Fernando stopped him with a raised hand. There's no need for apology. Thank you for taking care of Diana's aunt, Matthew said. I know how difficult it is for you to be here. And Fernando said the widow needed somebody to think of her pain first, just as you did with me when Hugh died. At set tour, everybody from Galaglass and the gardener to Victoire and Isabel referred to Sarah by her status relative to Emily rather than her name when she was not in the room. It was a title of respect as well as a constant reminder of Sarah's loss. I must ask you, Matthew, does Diana know about your blood rage? And Fernando kept his voice low. And Matthew's like, of course she knows. <laughs> he says it like so indignant. Of course she yeah. knows. <laughs> Although Duh. it wasn't him to tell her. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Duh. Right. She learned that early. What? Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me for insulting you with the suggestion that you would keep something so important from the one you love. Fernando boxed him on the ear. I'm glad you told your wife, but you deserve a whipping for not telling Marcus or Hamish or Sarah. And when I read this, I was like, what? 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 Yes. What? what? Well, I here you go. He made his confession to Sarah. Mm-hmm. Apparently she didn't believe in the seal of confessions because she must have told Fernando about it. And he's like, oh, he confessed all these things to you and left out the, big, the blood rage. Yeah. yeah. He left out the big Lebowski there. Right. Uh, Which is why he probably came to the conclusion that he did. Mm-hmm. And so Matthew referenced uh, Fernando's threat of a whipping. You're welcome to try. <laughs> Matthew's response carried a threat that would drive off any other member of his family, but not Fernando. And see, we didn't know this about Fernando. That's another example of telling, not showing. We just mm-hmm. kind of heard him in, uh, in passing. So we don't know the backstories of all these relationships. And hopefully as we go, we will find out more. Well, and here's the interesting thing. It, it, this What's happening with this read with Fernando is similar to what we were just talking about with Phoebe, with you. Mm-hmm. And this read with Fernando, I think everybody glossed over. It's like, oh, he's so great. And he's so this and wonderful. It's like this time as we're going through it slowly, I'm kind of like, there's a lot of things about him that make me uneasy about him, quite frankly, which I probably glossed over the first time we read this because there was so much going on. And may, and part of it's informed by the fact that I've already read the story. We've read the story once or twice, but mm-hmm. the whole whole thing about his reaction to Philippe and the fact that they're having this conversation over Philippe's tomb, like mm-hmm. basically arguing over his dead body about this. And mm-hmm. I think Fernando's kind of like maybe overstepping a little bit by acting as a pseudo father in this right. instance. Maybe, but Matthew obviously needs something. No, I know. But what I'm saying is the first read through we all just glossed over is like, oh, everything, you know, he's all about everybody else and he's selfless right. and this and that. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but he's also still got this old axe to grind against Philippe who's dead and is still dead and is going to be dead forever. And he's, he can't let that go. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just sticking it to the man a little bit by yeah. talking over his tomb. Yeah. yeah. And another thing, <laughs> Philippe, if you're Psychological listening. Psychological thing. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, he doesn't know his ghost is around. But right. Or does he? <laughs> or does he? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't don't know, but I'm just saying if yeah. he believes it, you know, it's a subtle fuck you to Philippe. So, <laughs> well, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't see Philippe because he still needs Philippe to accept him. And that's not going to happen. <laughs> and, and what about Hugh? He sees him or he doesn't see him, you think? Doesn't. I think doesn't because he's still yeah. the yeah. way he feels about Hugh. Yeah. He's still. No. 
Mm-mm. Just like Phoebe doesn't see Bertrand. You mean uh, Miriam? Miriam. I'm sorry, Miriam. <laughs> I'm, I meant, I meant I Miriam, gonna, Phoebe, and I don't know why. Phoebe's like, not going to see it. <laughs> no, Phoebe will see. Phoebe will see everybody. She won't know who the hell they are, but she can see them. <laughs> what the fuck, yo? <laughs> yo, Blondie, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> Wrong room, down the hall. That would be right. really heartbreaking if you could see people like, hey, there's Philippe Isabeau. Well, I don't see him. Well, I do. I mean, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> that, would not, that would not be a good turn of the story. No. I would hope Phoebe would be smart enough to be like, I should probably shut my mouth. <laughs> well, <laughs> that remains to be seen. <laughs> I think we've got a couple chapters till we re- find out whether that is in fact the case. Right. But I'm sorry, I digress. I'll, I'll let, let's get through this and then I'll probably have more to say as this okay. goes on because it gets okay. weirder. <laughs> <laughs> this is Matthew. He's, mm-hmm. he's kind of confessing. He's like the blood rage. It's gotten worse. Fernando's like, of course it has. You're mated now. What'd you expect? <laughs> All right. So to explain this again to those of you who don't understand the force of mating, the chemical and emotional responses that accompanied mating were intense and even perfectly healthy vampires found it difficult to let their mates out of their sight. On those occasions, when being together was impossible, it led to irritation, aggression, anxiety, and in rare cases, madness. I would say that's the same for humans. Yeah. I mean, it's me here like, we're today, and we're living this. You again. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. I'm just kidding, Robert. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so a vampire with blood rage, both the mating impulse and the effects of separation were heightened. I expected to handle it. And this is Matthew. I believe that the love I felt for Diana was stronger than this disease. Oh, Matthew, you can be more idealistic than Hugh, even on his sunniest day. Fernando sighed and put a comforting hand on Matthew's shoulder. There, there. Fernando always lent comfort and assistance to those who needed it, even when they didn't deserve it. Oh, shit. He had sent Matthew to study with a surgeon, Albuquerque's. Albuquerque's. Thank you. Back when he was trying to overcome the deadly rampages that marked his first centuries as a vampire. It was Fernando who kept Hugh, the brother whom Matthew had worshipped, safe from harm, as he made his way from battlefield to book and back to the battlefield again. Without Fernando's care, he would have shown up to fight with nothing but a volume of poetry. I'm here, guys. Right. <laughs> a dull sword and one gauntlet. It was Fernando who told Philippe that ordering Matthew back to Jerusalem would be a terrible mistake. Unfortunately, neither Philippe nor Matthew had listened to him. A little I told you so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's I told you so. And look at me. I propped up your I propped up your favorite son and... And a little there's bit some, of a... F- there's some preening going on here, like... Mm. A little bit of a fuck you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, not saying that the people he's saying fuck you to didn't deserve a little bit, but the guy's mm-hmm. dead. Yeah, and let it go. Anyway, I had to force myself to leave her side tonight. Matthew's eyes darted around the chapel. I can't sit still. I want to kill something badly. And even so, it was almost impossible for me to venture beyond the sound of her breathing. Oh, shit. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Fernando listened in silent sympathy, although he wondered why Matthew sounded surprised. It's like, duh, Matthew, this isn't new. You're 1,500 years old, man. Really? (laughs) And had to remind himself that newly mated vampires often underestimated how strongly the bond can affect them. Right now, Diana wants to stay close to Sarah and me. But when the grief over Emily's death has subsided, she's going to want to resume her own life, Matthew said, clearly worried. Well, she can't, not with you standing by her elbow. 
Fernando didn't mince words with Matthew. Idealists like him needed plain speech or they lost their way. I have to agree. If Diana loves you, she'll adapt. She won't have to adapt, Matthew said through gritted teeth. I won't take her freedom, no matter what it costs me. I wasn't with Diana at every moment in the 16th century. There's no reason for that to change in the 21st. See, there's Matthew going against Philippe's or the the quote that opens the book of life. Mm-hmm. About people mm-hmm. who can change will yeah. survive. Right. And he's just blind to it. Yeah. Lying to himself again. He's not trying to hear it, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> You manage your feelings in the past because whenever you weren't at her side, Galaglass was. Oh, and he told me about your life in London and Prague, Fernando said. You can't tell Galaglass shit. Oh, man. He's, he's just like <laughs> flapping his gums like mad. Galaglass just, yeah, you can't tell him nothing. Fernando said when Matthew turned a startled face his way. And if not Galaglass, Diana was with someone else, Philippe. Davy, another witch, Mary Henry. Do you honestly think that mobile phones are going to give you a comparable sense of connection and control? Do you, Matthew? As perceptive as Fernando is, and it doesn't say, and Galaglass has talked to Fernando about their life in London and Prague, I would have to think that Fernando knew about Galaglass's feelings for Diana. Yeah. Not not because of what Galaglass has said, but you can't help the way you say things, the way you look, the look in your eyes, the tattoos. I mean, I would think that so many things added up over how many hundreds of years that he would have some inkling. But didn't say anything. And you know, mm-hmm. when you crush on somebody, yeah. you wind up mentioning their name every other sentence. And it's just like, come on, dude, really? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, well, we did, we, we did this on this day and this and that. I mean, he didn't even have to have Gallo Glass tell him that. No, anyone can tell. And he could smell. Yeah. You know, Matthew still looked angry. The blood raged just beneath the surface, but he looked miserable, too. Fernando thought it was a step in the right direction. Hey, you're looking miserable. That's a good thing. <laughs> That's, that's such a parenting thing. <laughs> that is such a parent thought. Oh, good. You, you may be mad, but you look miserable, too. I'm making that's progress. progress. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. Isabeau should have stopped you from getting involved with Diana Bishop as soon as it was clear that we were feeling the meaning bond. And this sounded just like Matthew when yeah. he was talking about Phoebe and Marcus. Marcus. Fernando said sternly, had Matthew been his child, Fernando would have locked him into a steel tower to prevent it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds shit. irrational. <laughs> Get in the tower. Get in the box. <laughs> Get in the box. <laughs> it was like the latest version of Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the box. Get in the box. <laughs> She did stop me. Matthew's expression grew even more miserable. I wasn't fully mated to Diana until we came to Septor in 1590. Philippe gave us his blessing. Fernando's mouth filled with bitterness. That man's arrogance knew no bounds. No doubt he planned to fix everything when you returned to the present. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) Philippe knew he wouldn't be here, Matthew confessed. Fernando's eyes widened. I didn't tell him about his death. Philippe figured it out for himself. Fernando swore a blistering oath. He was sure that Matthew's God would forgive the blasphemy, since it was so richly deserved in this case. And we're also getting a second side to Philippe for the first time, too, Mm -hmm. because in Shadow of Night, Philippe was wonderful. Everybody loved Philippe. I was going to say, yeah, nothing like a second perspective. Don't Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, Philippe. Yeah, what happened here? Anyway, so that that's kind of a gut punch to find out somebody you loved in the previous book. Philippe's not perfect. He's not perfect. 
What? Yeah. Oh, my God. And the fact that I think what makes it more intense was Philippe. When he showed up on the scene, when we first meet him, he's kind of rude to Diana. Yeah, well, Philippe's yep. overwhelming. He's just, he's, yeah. even for a reader, it's like, <gasps> whoa. And you don't notice that. He's rude, yeah, but he's also dazzling. Yeah. Like, you're right. I'm stupid. Well, thank you, Philippe. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you're you're so, so smart. Philippe, too, is not like Matthew, but a similar message to the reader like Matthew, where he says, I'm not perfect. I've done wrongs in the past, and the gods yeah. have had to, have had to make amends. I think I am. Exactly. And right. we still are like, that's okay. We don't believe that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Everything bad you said about me is true. Right. It's correct, Philippe. You're, thank you. <laughs> yeah, totally over the top with Philippe, and then we're your just bad like, "Daddy, I like that even more." <laughs> yeah. Oh no! And then we'll be me. like, "What? You're horrible!" Wait, this, this makes it even better. <laughs> and James Purefoy will make that the point in no return as well. Uh, oh Jesus! Oh. <laughs> this is true. Philippe told us who he was mm-hmm. oh. repeatedly, <laughs> and we were just like, "It's okay." Kind of like Matthew. Matthew ke- keeps telling you repeatedly who he That's is. That's what I said. Right. It's like, Same oh. thing. It's like all hearty eyes. I believed him because I already thought that. <laughs> oh, I believed him too, but it's like still hearty eyes. <laughs> yeah, oh, me too. <laughs> I would have been less hearty eyed if he was what everybody thought he was because it's just like, oh. It's all. It's also all in the presentation too, because when Matthew was presented to me personally, I was like, "This shithead." But when, <laughs> <laughs> but when Philippe was presented to me, I was just like, "Oh God, what? Come to Whatever. mama." <laughs> it was a whole different set of packaging for me, anyway. Yeah, I was glad though. I was glad with this counter that he wasn't perfect, because I'm like, okay, Baldwin's the- not the only asshole. He's not even an <laughs> <Right>. asshole. <laughs> Right. And did your meeting with Diana take place before or after Philippe marked her with his blood vow? Even after the time walking, Philippe's blood vow was audible. And according to Varin de Clermont and Galaglass, still deafening. Happily, Fernando was not a full-blooded de Clermont, so Philippe's blood song registered as nothing more than a persistent hum. So this was new to our universe at that time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. After. (laughs) So that was the answer. After. Of course, Philippe's blood vow ensured her safety. Nole mi tangeri? Is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fernando said with a shake of his head. Galglass was wasting his time watching Diana so closely. Touch me not for Caesar's I am, Matthew echoed softly. It's true. No vampire meddled with her after that except Louisa. Louisa was mad as a March hare to ignore your father's wishes on this, Fernando commented. So I, that didn't hit me either. Louisa would have heard that fucking blood song. Right. She would have heard mm-hmm. it. I take it that's why Philippe sent Louisa packing to the outer reaches of the known world in 1591. The decision had always seemed abrupt and Philippe hadn't stirred a finger to avenge her in her later death. Whoops. <laughs> oh, she died? Oh, well. <laughs> That's a shame. That's terrible. Hmm. Fernando filed away the information for future consideration. The door swung open. Sarah's cat, Tabitha, shot into the chapel with a shriek of gray fur and feline indignation. Galglass followed her, bearing a pack of cigarettes in one hand and a silver flask in the other. Galglass has all the bad habits. Damn. Hell, why not? Why not? Nothing matters. <laughs> the enabler. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Tabitha wound her way around Matthew's legs, begging for his attention. Sarah's Moggy is nearly as troublesome as Auntie's Fire Drake. Galgloss thrust the flask in Matthew's direction. Have some. It's not for the blood. It's none of Granny's French stuff either. <laughs> what she serves makes fine cologne, but it's no good for anything else. Really? That's what you wear is cologne? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Matthew refused the authoring with a shake of his head. Baldwin's wine was already souring his stomach. And you call yourself a vampire, Fernando scolded Galglass, driven to drink by un pequeño tragueo. That right? Close enough. Close enough. Fuck it. <laughs> Nothing matters. <laughs> <laughs> You try taming Cora if you think it's so bloody easy. Galglass removed a cigarette from his pack and put it to his lips. Or we can vote on what to do with her. Vote? <laughs> Matthew was incredulous. Since when did we vote in this family? Since Marcus took over the Knights of Lazarus. Galglass replied, drawing a silver lighter from his pocket. We've been choking on democracy since the day you left. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Fernando looked at him pointedly. What? <laughs> Galaglass said, swinging uh, the lighter open. This is a holy place, Galaglass. And you know how Marcus feels about smoking when there are warm bloods in this house, Fernando said reprovingly. And you can imagine my own thoughts on the matter with my pregnant wife upstairs. Matthew snatched a cigarette from Galaglass's mouth. This family was more fun when we had fewer medical degrees, Galaglass. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the good old days when we sewed ourselves up if we were wounded in battle and didn't give a tinker's damn about our iron levels and vitamin D. <laughs> oh, yes. Fernando held up his hand, displaying a ragged scar. Those days were glorious indeed, and your skills with a needle were legendary. Beefet? Is that beefet? Biff. Biff. Biff? Biff. Oh, I don't know. Biff. Beef. <laughs> Like beef eater. Beef. That was that like it was like a slang term for, for the English because they ate beef. It's kind of uh -huh. derogatory actually, but Wow. Okay. I looked that up. I got better, Galga said defensively. I was never as good as Matthew or Marcus, of course. But we can't all go to the university. And then here's Fernando. Not so long as Philippe was head of this family, Fernando murmured. He preferred that his children and grandchildren wield swords rather than ideas. It made you all so much more pliable. There was a grain of truth in that remark and an ocean of pain behind it. I mean, bitter party of one right here. <laughs> <laughs> I should get back to Diana. Matthew rocked to his feet and rested his hands on Fernando's shoulder for a brief moment before turning to leave. Waiting will not make it easier to tell Marcus and Hamish about the blood rage, my friend. Fernando warned, stopping him. I thought after all these years, my secret was safe, Matthew said. Secrets are like the dead. Do not always stay buried. Tell them soon. Hmm. Yeah, you should tell them. I mean, God. no big deal. God, ah. that's like foreshadowing on the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think, like you said, we were saying earlier, Fernando knows all about that other shit. Mm-hmm. Matthew returned to his tower more agitated than when he left. Isabeau frowned at the sight of him. Thank you for watching Diana, Mama, he said, kissing Isabeau's cheek. And you, my son? Isabeau put her palm to his cheek, searching as Fernando had for signs of blood rage. Should I be watching over you instead? I'm fine, truly. I think Isabel Matthew. should go find Fernando and kick his ass because Fernando was the one who got him all cranked up. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I don't know. He was pretty cranked up when he went to go see Hamish, too. Wow. And Marcus. He was cranked. People just kept 
dumping gas on the fire, though. That's what I didn't love the first time around in the Book of Life is that Matthew was always so on edge. Uh, maybe projecting onto me a little bit. Like I felt like I don't know, not not the other shooter drop in a bad way, but just right. I don't know. It was just the anxiety is just too much. Yeah, and I also thought of in a discovery, which is when he said he doesn't like approaching strange places in situations without knowing his environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when he returns to Septor, this is not the environment he's used to. He's used to just his mother and Mart being there mm-hmm. and all these other people. His, he, his safe spot's not a safe place anymore. Exactly. So he's on edge. Yeah. And he don't like it. And everybody's picking at him. And he's yeah. picking at everyone else, too. Well, yeah, I mean, but it doesn't, yeah. it's like, kind of like, y'all know he's got issues, but you're right. picking at him regardless. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently Hamish and Marcus don't know, so Fernando <laughs> probably does. fix that. Yeah, Fernando does, though. Of course, Isabel replied. The phrase meant many things in his mother's private lexicon. <laughs> what it never meant was that she agreed with you. <laughs> I'll be in my room if you need me. When the sound of his mother's quiet footfalls had faded, Matthew flung wide at the windows and pulled his chair up close to the open casement. He drank in the intense summer scents of catchfly and the last of the jilly flowers. The sound of Diana's even breathing upstairs blended into other night songs that only vampires could hear. The clack of steel beetles locking horns as they competed for females. Or the lures, I guess, wheezing as they run across the battlements. The high-pitched squeaks of the death's head hawk moth. They squeak? Really? Okay. <laughs> well, a vampire can hear if they do squeak. If they do squeak, whatever, right? Whatever the, whatever the noise they do make. Sounds like a squeak to a vampire. And he, I guess. Yeah, and he can hear the, all those individually. The scrabbling of pine martens climbing the trees. Based on the grunts and snuffles and Matthew heard in the garden, Galglass had been no more successful catching the wild borer uprooting Mart's vegetables than he had been catching Cora. Whoops. Normally, Matthew relished in this quiet hour, equidistant from midnight and dawn, where the owls had stopped their hooting and even the most disciplined early risers had not yet peeled back the bed covers. Tonight, not even familiar scents and the sounds of home could work their magic. Ah, and Allure is a dormouse. Ah, okay, cool. Only one thing could. Matthew climbed the stairs to the tower's top floor. There he looked down at Diana's sleeping form. He smoothed her hair, smiling when his wife instinctively pressed her skull deeper into his waiting hand. Impossible as it was, they fit. Vampire and witch, man and woman, husband and wife. The hard fist around his heart loosened. Only a few precious millimeters. Okay. Silently, Matthew shucked off his clothes and slid into bed. The sheets were tangled around Diana's legs, so he pulled the linen free, settling it over their bodies. Matthew tucked his knees behind Diana's and drew her hips back into his. He drank in the soft, pleasing scent of her honey and chamomile and wool sap and feathered a kiss against her bright hair. Well, you don't do that to a girl if you don't want action. (laughs) (laughs) After only a few breaths, Matthew's heart calmed and his restlessness seeped away as Diana provided the peace that was eluding him. Here, within the circle of his arms, was all that he had ever wanted. A wife, children, a family of his own. He let the powerful rightness that he always felt in Diana's presence sink to his soul. Matthew, Diana said sleepily, I'm here. Go back to sleep. The sun hasn't risen yet. 
Instead, Diana turned to face him, burring into his neck. What is it, Moncourt? Tell me, he said gently. There's no point. No one can fix it, she said sadly. At least let me try. Can you make the time stand still? And who knew? Another phrase for doing it. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... They're doing it. Yep. I'm not reading that to you people. You're going to have to do that on your own. All right, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So I, I think we're done here by here. You wanted the time to stand still. He reminded her. Yeah, I did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it has, Diana insisted. Pressing. Oh, it's, it, apparently it's a magical feat. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the hell? <laughs> so not, no, I won't say it. <laughs> I just keep thinking of that song Justin Timberlake did on Saturday Night Live, Dick in a Box. It's yeah. my dick in a box, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this magical cock. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I'm such a child. Anyway. <laughs> now they're like Hanukkah. Hanukkah. <laughs> Hanukkah. Hanukkah. <laughs> 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 oh, such a good you know they won an Emmy for that. They should. I know. They earned yeah. it. Yeah. I'll put a for those of you who are not familiar with the skit we're talking about, I'll definitely put a link in the show notes. Just think on nineties R and B boy band type of song and a dick in a box. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Uh, so you wanted time to stand still, he reminded her. It has, Diana insisted, pressing against him in an invitation. Then why are you rushing me? Ooh, you know, he says, why? In the middle of this, Diana wants to know why he stopped. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted time to stand still, not you, baby. There's something on your back, Matthew. Trace the fire drake's wings. You mean something else? She asked with a nervous laugh. She's still worried that her healed wounds were blemishes. With your other scars, it reminds me of a painting in Mary Sidney's laboratory, the one with the fire drake capturing the moon in his mouth. He wondered if it would ever be visible to others or if only his vampire eyes can detect it. It's beautiful. Another sign of your courage. You told me I was reckless, Diana said breathlessly. You are. It drives me crazy. So they're continuing on. I'm not reading this, people. I am not... (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Like I said, this isn't that kind of show. I'll play the music, though. You you guys can have that. (laughs) All right. Afterward, they lay twined together in the final rose-tinged moments of darkness before dawn. Diana drew Matthew's head to her breast. He gave her a questioning look and his wife nodded. Matthew lowered his mouth onto the silvery moon over a prominent blue vein. And then they explain what this is, the ancient way. This is the, the reading of the blood. And then she does her witch's eye kiss thing. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're calling it? Witch's kiss? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matthew said, I would have spared you this loss if I could have. I know. Just don't ever leave me. Not without saying goodbye. I will never leave you. Oh, promises, promises. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, did we go over the dragon that he found on her back? Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it, well, no, we didn't. So I'm, let me go back to that part. Let me. Yeah, because I had uh, questions about that. Okay. Matthew traced the star-shaped scar between her shoulder blades and crescent mood that swooped from one side of her ribs to the other. He frowned. There was a shadow on her lower back. It was deep within her skin, a pearly gray outline that looked a little bit like a fire drake. Its jaws biting into the crescent moon above, the wings covering Diana's ribcage, and a tail that disappeared around her hips. 
Disgust, guys. It kind of reminds me of her dream. Yep. Yeah. Oh, her miscarried. Yeah. With the dream. drug, the oh, right, moon in the right, mouth right. is what makes me think of that. And right. yeah. Looked a bit like a fire drake. When do you think that appeared? When she time walked? Wouldn't Matthew have noticed it before? Probably. Because this is, yeah, it had to have been during the time walk back. I'm thinking. Because I would yeah. think that if they were doing it before they left and he would have noticed it then. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I always thought that was kind of weird. These little marks just showing up on her. Right. Huh? Mm-hmm. But there was no further explanation. See, that's another thing that kind of just niggled at me. It's like, wait, we're not going to talk about this? Can we talk? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't think <laughs> at all? I think everybody just kind of glossed up. I don't remember ever there being conversations about this. And now it's like, oh, my God, wait a minute. That's her dream. Yeah. But what keywords can we look for in Shadow of Night to go back to that dream passage? She screamed. There was blood. There was. It's right at the end. Uh, look up miscarriage because okay. the word miscarriage should come up like two pages after it hmm. because that's the end of the chapter. And then the next chapter is her with the garlic height coven oh, she, yeah it said all all people lose babes or something like that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and that's like right before that I'm, I'm in the wrong book hang on a second <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> no wonder that search was useless yeah right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay that night i dreamed i had slept under the limbs of a tree that grew from my womb its branches shielded me from the moonlight while high above a dragon flew through the night when it reached the moon the dragon's tail curled around it and the silver orb turned red i woke to an empty bed in blood-soaked sheets Hmm. It wouldn't have shown up then, though. No. Or we would have heard about it. Yeah. Right? And then we she she hadn't met Cora at that point, too. No. Yeah. 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 It seems familiar. Yeah. It, it's like, it's almost like it got dropped in there for a reason and then hmm. it All right. got lost in yeah. the shuffle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it sounds to us like the dream and to Matthew, it sounds like Ripley Scroll. Yeah. yeah. Or looks like. Or looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe with their final mating and return, maybe it was like a combination of... Of that whole thing coming to fruition, you know, because in that mural, the fire drake was dropping little bits of blood into an Olympic. I think if I'm remembering correctly. It has. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has to do with the baby quickening. Maybe. Yeah. Because if he thinks she's in the second trimester, that would be about right. The baby didn't quicken till later, though, on the plane, I think. Oh, OK. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> One of the last things that they did in the uh, 16th century was Cora in the sky, kind of chasing the moon or circling the moon. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let's get back to where huh. we were, audience. <laughs> we're like, fresh, Sorry. fresh out of theories. <laughs> <laughs> we'll revisit this at a later date, probably. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. They're doing the witch's kiss and Matthew's sucking on the heart vein and doing the whole thing. You guys know by now. Uh, Next thing we know, Woodfire and Santa Leather. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Welcome home, sister. The unexpected scent of wood fires and saddle leather flooded into the room as Baldwin ripped the sheet from the bed. Whoa, that's new. Um, Diana <laughs> let out a startled cry. Matthew tried to pull her naked body behind him. It was too late. His wife was already in the grip of another. I could hear my father's blood vow halfway up the drive. And you're pregnant, too. Baldwin de Clermont's face was coldly furious under his fiery hair as his eyes dropped at Diana's rounded belly. He twisted her arm so that he could sniff her wrist. And only Matthew senses upon you. Well, well. Hmm. <laughs> Get up, both of you. His fury evident. You're not the boss of me. (laughs) You have no authority over me, Baldwin. (laughs) (laughs) I like like my rendition better. (laughs) 
<laughs> not to me. You're not my daddy. Bleep is. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't have calculated a response that would have angered Matthew's brother more. Without warning, Baldwin swooped until his face was inches away. Only the firm pressure of Matthew's hand around Baldwin's throat kept the vampire from getting even closer. My father's blood vow says I do, which Baldwin stared into Diana's eyes, trying to force her through sheer will to look away. When she did not, Baldwin's eyes flickered. Your wife lacks manners, Matthew. School her or I will. (laughs) (laughs) School me? How dare you, sir? Uh, Diana's eyes widened. Her fingers splayed and the wind in the room circled her feet, ready to answer her call. High above, Cora shrieked to let her mistress know that she was on the way. I got you. I'm your backup. I'll be your wingman. (laughs) No magic and no dragon, Matthew murmured against her ear, praying that just this once his wife would obey him. He didn't want Baldwin or anyone else in the family to know how much Diana's abilities had grown while they were in London. Miraculously? Diana nodded. (laughs) What's the meaning of this? Isabeau's frosty voice cracked through the room. (laughs) The only excuse for your presence here, Baldwin, is that you have lost your damn senses. I inserted the damn. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) Baldwin says, careful, Isabeau. Your claws are showing. And then he stalked towards the stairs. And you forget, I'm the head of the Claremont family. And I don't need an excuse. Meet me in the family library, Matthew. You too, Diana. Baldwin turned to level his strange golden brown eyes at Matthew. Don't keep me waiting. Yes, and Matthew, that's don't. the end. <laughs> I have to say, since I've had children, I've never gotten out of the shower the same way. <laughs> because in the early years, they would barge in, they would rip the shower curtain open. So <laughs> yeah. you probably have to do the same practice in the Declare right. My Household. <laughs> well, and both of you are screaming. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't know what I'm seeing. You brats, get the fuck out of here. I mean, honestly, the, 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 the pearl clutching over this in a lot of respects is kind of like, okay, you never had kids. And you never had a college roommate. Yes. Yeah. It's like yeah. one or the other or both, you're going to get walked in on when you're doing <laughs> right. something you don't want anybody to see. Mm-hmm. And for our valued listeners, our valued, who, our valued listeners, <laughs> our valued listeners who were taken aback by this scene, I have to admit, I was also taken aback, but I also didn't think, I mean, I wasn't against Baldwin, but I was just like, rude. <laughs> so, I mean, that's valid. We're not invalidating what, you, what you're saying. But as we read through the next chapters and find out about the blood vow, and here you are trying to keep the congregation at bay because yeah, well, of all the trouble that's going on and here you are your fucking brother's back and he brought back the witch and she's carrying the blood song of your dead father how the fuck did she get a blood song hello oh, yeah. well in the whole the, I, I think from the whole invasion of privacy and he didn't know they had time walked at this point well not to mention that and and i mean think about how old he is and how old matthew matthew wasn't all that phased by the fact that he kind of popped right. up he's just more the confrontation is like matthew and baldwin don't have the expectations of privacy that diana and modern people modern do. readers do so mm-hmm. I mean, yeah that in, that in itself it's like well she's 
2,000 years old, he probably doesn't think anything of this. I mean, right. And, and the there again, there again, he took the doors off his room so he could anticipate Baldwin coming. Right. First, I'm sure. True. And also, as we pointed out earlier in this chapter, he did the same to Marcus. Now, yeah. they weren't in the midst of being naked. But they, but could, have they could have. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Just ponder that. Mm-hmm. Listeners that disagree with us. I on think this we could also insert our empathy panel here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I will put links to that in the show notes, guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, anybody else have anything to say about this chapter? Jean, Angela, now's the time to nope. do it before we gavel it. Nope. Just one all of, all of our listeners to to think on that new shadow on Diana's back with the dragon and yeah. think on um, how Fernando and Phoebe presented themselves mm-hmm. and get us your thoughts if you have them. Yeah, because uh, I don't think on first read I took that in and thought about that. But now I do definitely can see what other readers were saying, like, Phoebe, what the fuck? Why are you so, you know, yeah, it's probably kind the of same rea- kind of aggressive. <laughs> Yeah, and it's probably the same reaction I had with Chris, okay? And Mm -hmm. I had it strongly with Chris. But that Chris feeling never went away with me, so. No! (laughs) Y'all going to see a whole new side of me when Chris shows up. (laughs) Stand by. All right. Going once. Going twice. So. So. Um, listen, housekeeping is brought to us by Kimberly Babcock. Thank you, Kimberly. Yay. Thank you, Kimberly. Thanks, Kimberly. Housekeeping. I'll start. Okay. I have a housekeeping from Gloria. Hi, Gloria. Hey, Gloria. Love the podcast, but in particular, discussion on how why Diana was able to tie the 10th knot, whether it came from her twin brother or was a gift from the goddess. Never thought of these possibilities. Love, Gloria. Yay! Yay. Thanks for listening and And being a patron now. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Angela, what do you have? I have a five-star review. What? Yay. Thank you for keeping me alive, Jacqueline Sarah. So, Yay. Thank you, Jacqueline. Jacqueline Sarah says, delightful demony discussion. You three make me laugh every time I listen, despite the content, whether All Souls trilogy or current events. I love how your show is so actively engaging and that it makes me feel like a participant, though I haven't written in yet. Thank you for sharing your friendship with your followers and supporters. Sending love, witchy hugs, and well wishes your way. Aww. Oh, thank you. That is awesome. Thank you for the review, Jacqueline, and thank you for wishing us well. We wish you well as well. Well as well. <laughs> well as well. <laughs> hope you're staying well safe. <laughs> and hope you're washing your hands and doing all the things mm-hmm. and wearing the mask and speaking staying, of masks. staying inside. Speaking of masks. Go ahead. We may have a fun little thing available soon. Since we're all going to be wearing masks for a while. For a while. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. There may be yes. demon masks on the horizon. Woo! All right. Watch the space. Okay. I guess it's my turn, yeah? Yeah, it is. I do have one. Okay, so we have a housekeeping from Kimberly. Thank you, Kimberly. She says, hi, ladies. I can't remember which one of you ladies was in need of toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) But I have extra to spare. That was Jean, by the way. And uh, Jean has been provided for by the lovely Angela, who's looking out for all of us. Angela came through. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Uh, so we won't need your offer, but she also says, I have extra to spare. If your Amazon order of toilet paper has not yet arrived, oh, please sweet. let me know. That's totally sweet. God, I'll thank be you so more much. than happy to send you some. I also want to thank you for still doing your podcast and after show because it's helped me get through my worst long days of work at home mode. Oh, no. Girl, I feel Man, you. Oh, my God. Work at home is getting on my nerves right now. <laughs> if if we could get out more. Yeah, I think, I think it, it wouldn't be bad. I think the fact that we work at home, live at home, sleep at home, get up and Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. We're doing it all over yeah. again. Um, it's been a weird and crazy time for everyone, and your show just eases the tension, helps us relax a little bit, and picture Matthew Good in his boxer briefs, or if you're Team Baldwin, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you, and hope to see you at All Souls Con, and we'll discuss All Souls Con later, but yeah, thanks, Kimberly. Thank you. It's awesome. All right, now we're off to Save It For The Show. Yay! Yay. All right. So Save It For The Show is brought to us this time by Shani McNair. Thank you, Shani. Thank you. Save It For The Show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. Uh, this uh, episode, Save it for the show, the topic is Would You Rather? Uh oh. Would You Rather? Oh, geez. And we solicited Uh-oh. this from our discussers. And I have three Would You Rathers available to us today. Okay. So this one is from Persephone. Thank you, Persephone. Would you rather put your faith in Matthew, Miriam, and Marcus in the lab or Diana, Sarah, and the ghosts in the still room to find a solution to the world? pandemic. Just think on that. Matthew, Miriam, and Marcus. The science, huh? Uh, I'm science. You're sticking to the science. Sticking All right. to the science. You, Angela. I love magic, but because <laughs> I we're still right in the thick of the pandemic, I'm going team science. Team science. Woo! Okay. I'd have to agree. I am team science, especially with some of the shit I heard yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. God, yes. Lysol? Do not imbibe Clorox or inject it or inhale it or, or anything. Anything or Lysol. <laughs> Do not. Do not take okay. bleach brain literally. No. Brain bleach. No. Brain bleach. Excuse brain, me. Brain bleach is vodka. <laughs> Do or not. gin. Do not. I mean, we're all assuming that you guys are smart enough to know this, but please just... Okay. Um, or don't lay in the tanning bed and open your mouth to hope some of oh that God, gets inside. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's stick to science with this one. All right. Okay. Say what you want about drug companies, but the Pfizer commercial that says, when science wins, we all win, is my feel-good slogan of the day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this next one is from Indigo. Thank you, you. Indigo. Thank you. Okay, demons, would you rather take a long road trip with Galglass or take a term of science lectures taught by Matthew? Angela. I'm so sorry, Shelly, for (laughs) not going to science (laughs) class and for going for a ride with Galloglass. So I'm sorry on both counts, but I'll go on the ride with (laughs) Galloglass. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gene, you. Same here. I feel so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And we're in total agreement because the ride with Galloglass sounds so much more fun. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, as much as I love Matthew, Matthew, I know. I I would have to say, if I did take the science classes with Matthew, I would be that girl in the front row of Indiana uh, Jones. Indiana Jones. (laughs) (laughs) I love you on our island. 
Yes, that's exactly what I thought. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry, Matthew, you lose this one. Gal Glass takes the rare. Yes, we'll do that. Got the rare win for the demons. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, so this next one is from M. Raziel. Oh, and and the one is: Would you rather go witch hunting with Isabeau and Gerbert, or accompany Domenico as he showboats his way through the Crusades and pisses off Philippe? Uh, That's an easy one for me. You go Domenico, first. Okay. Domenico and pissing off Philippe because mm, angry daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> I have a point now, don't I? Come on. Oh, easy yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, easy, easy one for me too. Domenico. Showboating and, and pissing off people, even if it's, I, I don't care if he pisses off Philippe or not, but just if we're pissing yeah. off people, that's fun. Angry Danny's the bonus there. <laughs> this is true. I'm going to be the opposite this time. Ooh. I want to go hang around Isabeau and Gervera. I don't care what they're doing. I think they're funny together. <laughs> <laughs> you have a point. <laughs> I mean, I'll be like, I'll just overlook the whole witch hunting thing here. I just love hearing. I want to hear the banter. I want the fighting. I want the everything. I, I the just champagne. love the two together. The, the, the champagne, champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Just throw me some champagne. Please don't eat me. Um, all of that would go on. But uh, it's just like, <laughs> let me just shadow you while you're doing there this. You go. Let me just let me just observe. So there we go. That was it for the would you rathers. Do you guys have any would you rathers you want to throw out? I don't this round. Not this round. I can't hmm. think of any. Well, that's it for Saber for the show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was really good. Thank and you. And we'll take them at any time. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So stick with us, guys. After this, we're going to do last thoughts and things we cannot let go or of. Or also, if you want to send in housekeeping on any of the would you rathers we did today. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd yeah, love it. That'd be good. I'll include that in your last thought. Yeah. Okay. okay. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact, and all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form, and bam, you're a discuss- and the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at demons discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive and we need her around, okay? Keep Angela Any other last thoughts for us? Besides uh, the whole we're stuck inside, we've had a rough week. Yeah, it's been frustrating for me this oh, last week. Yeah. This is my it's, last thought. It's a boiling it's point. It's, things are simmering in every yes. house. Yes. It's, yes. Yes. We all need a... Whew. Yeah. I was, reset. Yeah. 
I was telling you guys earlier that I had taken a 45 minute drive and probably got yelled at by my husband, but I don't see a problem with it. No, there's no, that's the one thing you can do. But Robert did bring up this point. He's like, what if you had gotten into an accident and had to have been admitted to an emergency room? All right. Now he's going a little bit too far. There's nobody yeah. on the road. He's pretty crazy. Anyway. I think that about <laughs> anything though. I could, the kids, you know, they jump too much. Oh my God, what if you break your arm and I got to take you to the hospital? I mean, it's like, right. you know, yeah. bubble wrap us all. It's yeah. like, I get it. But I yeah, needed sure. it. Yeah. I needed it. Mm-hmm. What if I have down. a nervous breakdown and you have to take me to the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking worse. <laughs> it's nice that he cared, though. It, it is nice in hindsight. Yes. Thanks for pointing that out because I was still raging. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like a child, an errant child, like doing something I wasn't supposed to do. I just, my car misses me, gas is cheap, and the freeways are empty. How cruel, right? I mean, I know it's supply and demand, but it's cruel (laughs) that the gas is so cheap. It's so fucking cruel. (laughs) My God. I think it was nowhere to go. It was $1.45 for premium. For premium? Holy crap. For premium. I fill that tank, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And there's nothing else for me to last thought. I'm just thinking about all of this thing. Oh, All Souls Con. We can discuss that because at the time of uh, recording this, and you guys are probably a month behind because we've had nothing yes. to do but record. Um, so All Souls Con will be virtual this year. Uh, we're not sure how. We're pretty sure how we're going to participate in it. But it may change since it's online and um, the panel we were planning on doing, that won't happen because it needs a live audience. Yep. So expect that in future All Souls Cons, hopefully. Yes. But because um, yeah. that's going to be epic when we all get yeah. back together again. Woo. I know. Um, God so that's not happening. We were supposed to see each other twice this year. That's not happening. Oh, no. <laughs> Sad face. Sad face. So, but we've been doing Zoom meetings um, occasionally. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a cocktail hour in a minute. No. And we should. No, I haven't had a cocktail in a minute. I know. It's been a wine mm-hmm. house. I have a half a gallon of Tangeray just looking at me like, oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> what are you going to do? You just sit here and look at me? Doesn't drink itself. <laughs> <laughs> And, oh, speaking of, speaking of which, oh, d- it's up on my personal wall. Uh, Stanley Tucci giving an agroni tutorial. Who knew he was that fit? I had no idea. I know. Who, he's so charming. I, I kind of knew that, but he's really charming. Mm-hmm. And apparently yeah. that's his thing. They, uh, Chris Evans on the Marvel movies, I guess at the end of days, at the end of the day filming, it'd be like martini hour in his trailer, and he was exactly like that. Oh, let me mix up craft cocktails. <laughs> the only thing I didn't have in his list was the Campari. I'm like, damn it. I used to have some, but I don't yeah. anymore. So I'm not a vermouth fan. Right. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know about a Negroni, but maybe I'll get some elderflower. I don't know. Try it without and do, it. And, and do aviations or Violette and do some aviations. In that right. same vein, I have to tune in to the Frick because they have a series um, cocktail with the curator. So the curator does a piece or some sort of oh, fun. Uh, info video, and then he gives a cocktail and the recipe at the end Ooh, to compliment nice. what you just saw. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. I like that. Cocktail. I'm Cocktail at the down. frick. Good to know. Cocktail with a curator? Yeah. So I know. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm going to write it down in my planner. <laughs> it's a date. It's the closest thing we're going to have for a date for a while. I right? know. <laughs> wow. So what have you guys been doing to keep yourselves busy besides cooking, uh, doing your Zoom meetings, fucking talking to everybody at work because they have nothing better to do. So they feel like they need to talk to you. <laughs> I don't know. Walking. I feel like I'm whining my first world problems right now. I know. I know. But I'm, but I'm gonna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's happening right now. Yeah. Um, what have you been doing? I've revived the board game. Uh, Brecken's my fa- my faithful companion in playing board games. And I, when I was a kid, I would either play by myself because I had, not, you know, the mom or dad or, or sisters didn't want to play. So I was that latchkey kid too that would do board games myself. And I've never lost the love of board games. And I would always win. And now somehow I transferred the baton to Brecken. He kicks my ass in payday. Ah, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but I've oh. I've gone out. I've I've gotten all the classic board games. We always had them, but I've added to mm-hmm. the cash here and I got one called exploding kittens <laughs> so that's wow the, the premise the, yeah the premise is it sounds very basic um do you know the oatmeal the, the, is it like hungry hungry no hippo? do you know the um the cartoonist oatmeal on yes okay so he he's the artist for these this game and oh. the premise is if you draw an exploding kitten card you can you explode when you explode you die and you're out of the game sounds basic and easy right Unless you play a diffuse card, which will stop the kitten from exploding using things like laser pointers, kitten yoga, and catnip sandwiches. Oh, (laughs) Or you play various cards to skip your turn, attack other players, peek at the deck, or secretly locate an exploding kitten card inside. It goes on and on. There's various ways to extend the game. So So basically, cheating is advocated in some way. Yes. What would would normally be cheating is is advocated in some way or another. Right, right. They they call it basically a, a Russian roulette with exploding kittens so they, oh, they they tout the game a card game for people who are into kittens and explosions and laser beams <laughs> so how funny yeah i love the oatmeal i do too he's hilarious exploding kittens okay i'm writing that down for the show notes and for my uh, personal enjoyment thank you huh? <laughs> <laughs> well and i i stumbled upon it because each morning i get the new york times briefing and it was talking about how amazon is you know, of course putting um, essentials at the forefront and you know games like this aren't essential so you might have to wait to get something like exploding kittens i'm like Wait, it's hard to get game. That's fun. I gotta try it. So. I gotta try it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> find it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, Angela, you said to report back. I finished McMillions. Oh my last gosh, you night. finished it! <laughs> I fucking. Well, I was doing my nails. I told you. I told you. I had told my boss. I had got my work done. It took me two hours. I got my work done, and I told my boss. I was like, "Look, the sun's out. I'm gonna go sit on the deck and do my nails." So I did my nails. <laughs> <laughs> And I brought my laptop with me and I watched all of McMillions. And let me, you were not fucking lying. This shit was crazy. Mm-hmm. I had never watched, I mean, if you would pitch it as a fictional yes. drama, yeah. uh-huh. it would get thrown out because it's unfucking real. The people are like characters, right? In their uh, own right. Oh my God, the FBI agent, especially him. People want him to have his own show. He's so outrageous. There was one point I'm like, am I watching Goodfellas? Because this is stupid. This is getting nuts, you yeah. know? Especially the bust and everybody. And then Gloria's like, I want no parts of this. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're like, this person's involved and then this and then and then you're like, and then the mob and then, you know. <laughs> 
every walk of life was involved in this whole heist. I mean, it was just yeah. oh, unreal. Yep. And McDonald's had no fucking clue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there was a comment on uh, McMillions, like a, a thread, and someone's like, I bought a lot of fries to try to win that game. I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rioting. <laughs> yeah. Again, yes. a first world problem. <laughs> yeah. So those of you who have HBO have access to HBO and McMillions. That's a high recommend for me and Angela now. So <laughs> there's that. Gene, you have anything? No. No? <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> well, I've actually started read. i actually been able to read a couple of books. Oh, what books are you reading? Actually, or do you want to save it for the after show? Well, this one else, it'll be out by the time our episode is out. I just read an arc of the new Sierra Simone Harvest of Size, and it's like, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. It was so good. Oh, okay. It's llamas. <laughs> It was really oh. scary. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, went to see, that leaves a saw, saw one, and I'm like really dreading that. Oh, shit. For good. <laughs> it's super, super good. And I also, I, I also like got a book from book, my, I subscribed to BookBub, so you get the 99 cent deals and everything else. And, and right. for those of you who like to read reviews before you buy books, it is blissfully no drama. I mean, if you want to go look, join BookBub for the reviews, you know, you can review on there like you can on Goodreads, but there's not an... Without the bullshit. Without the bullshit. And there's not a lot of messaging or anything that can go on back and forth. So you don't get these tribes of trolls. Right. I like that. That's mm-hmm. good. So, but anyways, they, so there was, another one was a 99 cent feature sale. And I made the mistake of not reading through all of it. And it sounded good. It was called The Story of X. It's like, oh, blah, 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 you know, kind of a Fifty Shades-ish set in Rome. Mm -hmm. Well, it was also written under a pseudonym by a best-selling London author. Came out in 2013 or so. Like, it was basically an exploitation uh, written to market kind of Fifty Shades ripoff. Right. Oh, my God. It was like the worst mashup of Fifty Shades of Grey and Gabriel's Inferno. Only... Oh! oh, And then they threw... Pompeii into it all, which just oh my pissed me off so bad. So wow. bad. <laughs> I, it was, it was first I'm like, oh, this is going to be a DNF. I can't do it. And then I started hate reading it. Oh no. Brought out the passion. That's yeah, good. Right. No, it wasn't good. <laughs> and I looked after the fact. I'm like, oh Jesus, at least I only paid 99 cents for it. I got suckered into a Harper Collins. We want to get part of this market piece of shit. Did you uh, review it? Yes, I did. <laughs> only on Goodreads, though. I only reviewed it on Goodreads, though. So if you, if you follow oh, me on Goodreads, you, you can read it there. You didn't want to sully BookBub with that, did you? No. Oh, jeez. No. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I could. Maybe I yeah. should because the publisher is going to look at it there more. But it's just like... <laughs> I, I, you can't hey. you can't have all five star reviews up there anyway. So there, <laughs> I know there's my my no. token. Usually, and usually I don't write a review unless it's a four or five star because it's not cool to right. slam the author. But then I saw, oh wait a minute, right? This is like totally the marketing department here. I'm gonna slam it. The best reviews to read sometimes are the one and two star reviews. I love those. Oh, I, she, do you know what I love? I love the ones who don't read the blurb. The blurb warns them up and down and sideways, and they're like, oh my god, there's sex in this book. 
One star. Really? Yeah. Oh. Did you not read the description? Oh, and my favorite one was one time uh, my friend Jen Aston got a review where it gave her a one star review and went off, went off about, oh my God, there's anal in this book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jana used it in her promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, she sold a bunch of books off that ad, too. It was hilarious. Uh, I not, love that. You, not, not your target audience. No, you it's like, not the target audience, not, honey. Did you not read the blurb before you bought it? Yikes. <laughs> but you're right, though. Some of the one stars, it's like, wait a minute. Some of these one stars make me want to buy them. <laughs> I want to read it. I want to make sure it's filthy. that bad. One click. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, wait, there's a whole bunch of pearl clutching. I found it. I found my book. <laughs> <laughs> Which other books did this person hate? Uh, Let me go check the review profile. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, that was an extended last thought. There you go. I love it. I love it. I have nothing to do but, you know, do my first world problem complaints. Yes. But you know what? I am not stuck home. I am home safe. So that's good. And you guys be safe. And we're going to say goodbye here. Let's say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. And we'll talk to you in a fortnight. Yay. Yay. Hey, we didn't do the 069 on this one. 069. We can do that on the after show. (laughs) Uh.